This podcast is part of the Bomb Pod Media Network. Statements and opinions by guests of Mysterious Radio are not to be considered as endorsed by sponsors or affiliated networks. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Mysterious Radio is strictly prohibited. Get ready for a night filled with conspiracies, strange places, the paranormal, UFOs, legends, and myths from around the world. With your hosts, K-Town, on Mysterious Radio. All right, welcome back to Mysterious Radio. I'm your host, K-Town, and if you're finding me for the first time, I want to welcome you. And of course, those returning, I do appreciate your continued loyalty and support. I invite you to catch up with us on your social media by following us on Twitter and liking our Facebook page. And if you have Pinterest, you can follow us there as well. Now, we are taking suggestions for guests that you want to hear on the show. Yours will be given consideration if you contact us through our website at MysteriousRadio.com. Also, you can get premium access to weekly and special editions by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash Mysterious Radio. Patreon does have an app for Android and iOS. All right. So tonight's special guest is Dr. Richard Lawrence. He is going to be discussing the nine freedoms. The nine freedoms were a set of teachings given to a man named Dr. George King. Dr. George King was contacted by a race of advanced extraterrestrials back in 1961. Now, Dr. Richard Lawrence co-authored a book with Dr. King called Contacts with the Gods from Space, Pathway to a New Age. That book is available on Amazon. All right, let's get on with it. I have an amazing show just for you. The Nine Freedoms are a series of cosmic transmissions given by a highly advanced extraterrestrial intelligence known as Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King, one of the greatest mediums the world has ever known. They were given on nine separate occasions in March through February of 1961. Tonight, we talk to international best-selling author, Dr. Richard Lawrence, who worked closely with Dr. King and knew Dr. King personally. He shares with us what these nine freedoms are and what they mean for mankind. Welcome, Dr. Richard Lawrence. All right, I have joining me tonight, Dr. Richard Lawrence, and he's going to discuss the remarkable messages contained within Dr. George King's book called The Nine Freedoms. 
Dr. Lawrence, I want to thank you very much for joining me tonight on Mysterious Radio. It's a real pleasure. It is, and I'm so glad to have you on the show, and I can't wait to introduce you to my listeners. Now, um, first, I want you to take a little minute to tell my listeners more about you, uh, Dr. Lawrence. Wow. Um, Well, I'm a very lucky person because I came across Dr. George King when I was still at university all those decades ago, and I got to know him, and for some reason he uh, accepted me as a a student and later as a a friend, a very close personal friend, and, um, you know, I've done various things, uh, such as write various books and uh, do lots of broadcasting, mainly in Britain, but around the world, but... By far, the greatest thing for me has been uh, knowing and studying and following uh, Dr. George King, who's a really, truly great master in our times. He surely is. And I'm so glad I ran across him during Mm. research for another uh, guest that I had on on the show about Atlantis. Now, there's no way that we can get into all of it. But my goal, like I said, is to inspire my listeners to mm-hmm. dig into this more intensely on their own. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to give them some good information tonight. Now, because good. to me, these messages are so profound that they connect a lot of dots for me from other people that I've heard about research concerning Atlantis and Maldek and some other uh, civilizations. I think they're going mm. to be astonished, really, to hear you talk about it. Uh, yes. Now, Dr. King is a fascinating guy. Now, when did he start mm. getting these messages and explain to us what the nine freedoms are. Well, he uh, was a person who, really from childhood, because I, I've done a lot of research, because I'm currently one of the co- with a colleague actually from Los Angeles, uh, writing his biography, and that that will be coming out in the next couple of years, hopefully. And so I've done a lot of research and visited places of his childhood, and he had uh, very unusual. Um, parents his his well his father wasn't that unusual but his mother was an outstanding woman and his grandmother was a great medium and he moved a lot he he spent a lot of time in the north of england but right the way through although he wasn't i mean he was a you might call it over here a scrapping lad in other words he played and he enjoyed life and he was quite athletic uh, and sporty minded he was always focused on spirituality that was always his main thing from childhood and developed his psychic abilities at a very young age indeed and healing abilities he had outstanding healing results even when he was 11 years old and so there was a natural progression but his development was interrupted by the second world war that broke out in 1939 when he was age 20 and he had a massive decision to make then which was Because he was, as I mentioned, sporty, he enjoyed even things like boxing and fencing and martial sports, but he was also very opposed to all forms of violence. And so he had to make this difficult decision, which in some ways went against his nature in a way, which was to be a conscientious objector in that war. And he took part in the war effort in the sense that he was in the fire service, and he was very engaged in dangerous situations in London during the bombing and so on. But he didn't fight. He didn't, wouldn't kill. Uh, he was, over here we have the Quakers. I think you do there too. And this is a, 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 a spiritual organization he belonged to at that time, going back hundreds of years actually, the Quakers. 
And so he, he, he was focused all the way through that on spirituality, but he was not satisfied by what he'd learned from the, the religion he grew up in, which is the Church of England. Um, and he found lots of contradictions in there, things that just didn't fit, things he couldn't accept, as well as wonderful things too. Uh, he has a tremendous love for the Master Jesus, as he would call him, uh, but he wasn't enough. So after that war, uh, he was already, as I mentioned, very psychic, but he, he wasn't satisfied either by the religion he'd been taught or even by becoming psychic. He was looking for the real answers and he turned to the practice of yoga. Now, we're talking 1945 when yoga, especially in England probably, very conservative place, uh, really wasn't practiced, especially by, and this this is wrong, but especially by a man um, at that time, unless you happen to be an Indian or something who was over here, that would be the general view at the time. Completely changed now, thankfully, and it's very widely practiced, at least to a certain level. But he took it up, and when he took it up, he took it up very seriously. So he did a, what well, he did. He, he didn't have money, so he worked. He did a variety of jobs, but his whole vocation was to get to the very deepest aspects of. Uh, advanced yoga practice such as kundalini yoga which is very misunderstood raja yoga nani yoga if people are familiar with the yogas he went right into them and when i say right into them for eight hours a day for 10 years and I'm, i have to say i've done a lot of investigation i haven't come across anyone who's even claimed in the west anyway claimed to practice yoga for eight hours a day for 10 years every day um, but he indeed did do that. And as a result of that, and as a result of his innate nature and natural spirituality, he did become a master of yoga. And I know, again, the word master, which doesn't, by the way, apply just to men. That's men and women e uh, equally can become masters of yoga or indeed any other science or practice. Um, but he did do that. And by 1954 when he, he was contacted by a, an intelligence from another planet, uh, he was already a master of yoga. He was already a medium of several years' experience. And from then on, though, in 1954, he started to channel or bring through messages from a very advanced intelligences, not just from this earth, but from beyond this earth, and uh, what would it be, S seven years later, um, the Nine Freedoms was delivered, actually in Los Angeles, through him. And this, I believe, it's certainly, as I mentioned to your, your producer, I think, that it's my favorite book in the world, and I believe it's the most significant book of spiritual teaching available. Uh, and I study a lot. I, I look at many, many traditions from the Tao Te Ching to the wonderful Bhagavad Gita, the Buddhist Dhammapada, etc., lots of others. Um, but this, I believe, is the, is the most significant spiritual teaching available to us at this time. All right, you know what? He reminds me a lot of Edgar Cayce. Right. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. He mirrors him a lot. Now, uh, so Dr. King was being contacted prior to being given the nine freedoms, did he say what that communication was? Yeah, he, he, I mean, in the sort of just after the war period, so you're talking about the late 40s, early 50s, 
he would he had a, a spiritual group actually of a small one a, a, a not a public one but people who met and he would uh, act as a medium and so would certain others in the group especially him and bring through a number of what you might call advanced guides from higher realms uh, perhaps the most advanced of all these was one called the master chang fu and so he was well experienced in this and 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 these were wonderful communications of teaching and healing um but in 1954 on may the 8th he received what we call the command and that's when he was actually contacted in this case it wasn't a psychic contact or even a mediumistic contact it was a physical audible voice uh, and that intelligence was given the name Ethereus. The name actually was given by the Master Chang Fu, or that was revealed by the Master Chang Fu through Dr. King later on. But that name, Ethereus, was turned out to be his own uh, great enlightened master well before he ever was born as George King um, on this planet. And uh, he really started to give the messages and then the Ethereus Society was founded and then other intelligences communicated through Dr. King from other worlds and perhaps the most prominent of all of those uh, was Mars Sector 6 who gave the nine freedoms. Uh, another, which is more controversial to some, was the Master Jesus and he delivered a set of teachings called the Twelve Blessings, which is a wonderful, not just a teaching, it's a practice. There's actually a website called 12blessings.org. 12 is a one, two, blessings.org. People can go to because we do online services from that website that people can actually join in with and send spiritual power for the betterment of the world as a whole. Fascinating. Now, let's talk about these beings for just a moment. Um mm. Now, okay, the beings that were outside the planet, did he say what planet they actually resided on? He did. The, the communications he had, for the most part, came from within this solar system. Uh, and when I say that, I, and he himself was very clear on this even then, before there was a lot of space travel and so on, uh, that those planets that they came from those intelligences were operating on a higher frequency uh, than we are. So they might not even be visible. Um, so in the same way as, I mean, I myself am psychic. I'm sure perhaps, I don't know whether you are, but I'm sure some of your listeners are. And it's very common for people to have contacts on this earth with people who have so-called died. I don't actually believe in death, but they physically died. Um, and those intelligences, though, wouldn't be visible to them unless they were clairvoyant or able to tune into them through some psychic method, something I've practiced a lot, looked into a lot. It's very, it's absolutely provable. It's definitely going on. Well, what Dr. King, though, was doing, because of his advancement, was contacting or being contacted by beings from other planets. Um, and they would be much more advanced communications, hence the need for that long yogic training I spoke about, even though he didn't know it then, uh, to prepare him for this. And these intelligences on these other planets would include Mars, would include Venus, Jupiter, Saturn. There's even, I believe, one from Neptune. Um, I think there's been re certainly reference to one from Uranus. Um, 
So those would be the, the main ones, but particularly Venus, where the master theorists and we believe the master Jesus came from. I know that's a controversial statement. We don't believe the star of Bethlehem was a star. Well, it wasn't a star. It can't have been a star. Stars don't hover over stables. We, we know that. Um, we believe that he was an interplanetary being being brought to Earth. Um, and other intelligences through history, we believe, have been what you might call cosmic avatars, avatars or divine incarnations who've been brought from other planets. Okay, very good. Now, did he say why they chose him? Um, he didn't, but they certainly did. Um, it was uh, first of all it was put over that the reason he was chosen was because he was he had the ability i mean you don't really find people on this planet who are totally devoted and committed to practicing yoga and spiritual exercises eight hours a day for 10 years on top of a job. I, 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 I haven't come across any, anyone else who's even claimed to do that. Uh, but really because also he turns out, and although he never claimed this publicly at all, that he himself was one of those beings who came from another world and he was uh, had extraordinary abilities um, and capabilities and I think above all, he would say, he put it down to complete and total commitment, a single-minded commitment to his mission. Uh, and he never deviated from that for a day. I mean, I, I knew him for the last sort of 20 years of his life very well indeed. Um, I was in touch with him pretty well every day, either on the phone or I was with him, be it in America or, or in Britain here. And he never, ever... For 24 hours a day, was he what you might call completely off duty? He was always available for the cosmic masters, as we call them, to, to tune into him, to give him a task, to uh, intervene in some emergency on this planet, or whatever it might be, or give a teaching, a transmission. And he was right like that right up to his last day on Earth. Um, and that is alien to us here. We, you know, you might get someone who signed up for a call of duty for several months or possibly years but they'll you know they'll also have lots of time off and lots of other things going on and he wasn't like that he was just 101 percent committed to those intelligences who were using him as part of the uh, cosmic plan for the salvation and enlightenment of our world okay now i think it's important to explain to people what happened to past civilizations that brought these important messages for all of us? Yes. So uh, one of the things I mean, he revealed, now it wasn't brand new because um, the Theosophical Society, just to name one, and you mentioned Edgar Cayce as well, and others, had have talked about previous civilizations for some time under different names. Um, what he did reveal, though, was that we on Earth, the human race as we know it now, came from a planet which is now the asteroid belt, but was, before it was blown up in a nuclear catastrophe, a planet called Maldek. And he stated that that happened some 18 million years, which, interestingly enough, does conform to some models 
uh, it's a certain scientists, I haven't got the, the details in front of me, have come up with uh, at NASA, I believe. But I'd have to check those details if people are interested. Uh, I wrote a book with him. Actually, the last book that was published in his lifetime was called Contacts with the Gods from Space. And we have some details of that in that book. So that was where we, the human race, came from. We came to Earth. There was a race on Earth known as Adamic Man that was already here. Um, we reincarnated here because reincarnation is absolutely the whole essence of our evolutionary progress. There'll come a time when we won't reincarnate. The Nine Freedoms spells that out, actually. We won't need to reincarnate. We'll get beyond that stage, but it's crucial for us to gain various experiences it's a fascinating topic in itself and so we started to do that then 18 million years ago roughly not exactly and built up another civilization that's been spoken about by a number of people called lemuria or sometimes referred to just as mu mu and that built up and flourished Again, nuclear atomic experimentation took place there was again destruction not of the whole planet this time and another civilization started. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible story. It's an idiotic story as well as a tragic one. Uh, it's, it would be hard to believe and is, is very foreign to the nature of many other planetary races who just would not dream of behaving in the insane manner. You know, it's quite laughable, actually, K-Town, sometimes when you hear astronomers and people saying well i wonder if there's life out there as advanced as us you know yeah. it's uh, the other way around i mean uh, is there life as involved as us anywhere out there because they're far more civilized than we are on the whole not entirely but on the whole so anyway those civilizations were built up atlantis is much more famous that too resulted in nuclear destruction there's lots of evidence actually for that um, there's, there's a lot of material. We, I know we have a lecture that, actually, that my wife delivered on that very topic with lots of scientific data about evidence of atomic destruction on this planet um, in the past history, uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago. So then we started again. So then we're on the next civilization now. So three times we've done this. And one of the core messages and one of the reasons, actually, why Dr. King was contacted when he was and why he came to Earth when he did, it was because it was foreseen that we were here, we we're on the verge of this danger again. We now have the capacity again to destroy civilization, to destroy the planet. Uh, we're on the knife edge right now, you know, between North Korea, for example, and, and others. Um, and th this, this is a threat. Uh, when when um, the, the transmissions, as we call them, the messages were being delivered in the 1950s, there was tremendous Cold War between the Soviet Union, America, Britain was involved, France was involved, and there were great dangers, and many thought there would be nuclear destruction, and they certainly didn't know the dangers of it as much as they do now at that time. So it's because of this ever-present danger, this one of the main reasons why Dr. King is here and why the transmissions have been delivered, so we can turn away from that. And the way to turn away from it is through spiritual action. That's the key we've been given that will really work and solve the problems of, of our times. You know, what I found um, really intriguing is that twice, um, well, it happened three times, but two of those times uh, people were evacuated off the planet before everyone was destroyed, correct? 
Correct. Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, I think in Atlantis there was a vehicle called the Cities of Shan that did indeed evacuate people. Uh, the, the very advanced spiritual people uh, were, were, were taken away. And I believe some have said, I think Dan Fry actually was a contactee who I did meet in it when he was a very old man who who wasn't like Dr. King. He was actually a physical contactee, the White Sand incident i think it was called but he was told that the beings who picked him up were from lemuria actually but had been taken away and had been, they they avoided that destruction and yeah so you're right yes okay um now something that i found very disturbing is that it wasn't all of the, you know it wasn't everyone that was doing all this it was a small group Indeed. of people that caused the destruction of everyone mm-hmm. um let me see. Where was I going to go with that? <laughs> well, I, I think I might know. No, I think I go might ahead, know where you. Maybe where you're going is it, it seems very unfair on the masses that, you know, they should all suffer because of these few dark forces, if you like. And that there's a lot of truth. But one of the key messages actually given by Mars Sector 6 is in three simple words. And it's the title of um, Dr. King's first hardback book, actually, which are You Are Responsible. And the cosmic masters have made it very plain that the the ordinary man and woman in the streets, you know, so so called, are actually, um, you know, have, are responsible for their inactivity. They they are, you know, they're probably on the whole good, decent, living people, but it's that's not enough. You know, one has to engage, and everybody can engage. And their main appeal actually is to ordinary people. They're not, their main appeal is not to highly advanced people, although I must say the parts of the nine freedoms are highly advanced. They really are. But the main appeal is to everybody, to, to everyone can do something about this in every part of the world. And if everybody did, then those few wouldn't be able to carry out their dastardly or whatever the word, wicked acts of destruction. Dr. Lawrence, are there advanced um, beings on this planet right now to help us through this or yes. awakening? Yes, and thank God. That's a fantastic question, actually. There, And, and the answer is, is definitely yes. In fact, if they weren't, I think it would all be over very quickly. Um, there are on this planet... Um, uh, there's an organization used to be called the Great White Brotherhood, which possibly still is by many, which is a slightly misleading name because it sounds as though they're men, all of them, and it sounds as though they're all white-skinned to some people, and they neither of those things are true. There are men and women of, of various races uh, who have gone through what the Nine Freedoms called Ascension, um, and, and others have called Ascension, which is the Sixth Freedom, actually, and they no longer need to reincarnate. They could go to other planets at that stage and have a wonderful uh, life, a wonderful experience cycle. In fact, the Nine Freedoms describes the wonder of going beyond Ascension and going and becoming an interplanetary being, which makes it unique in the annals of of spiritual teaching, I believe. Um, But they choose these wonderful uh, masters to stay here on Earth to help us, Uh, mostly behind the scenes. Mostly they aren't very well known. Some are known. One of the most famous of them, for example, is Count St. Germain, who is an extremely active, uh, extremely um, brilliant 
ascended master, but is not actually the most prominent member of the order. He certainly is prominent, but there are others such as the Lord Maitreya um, and others who are even more prominent and by far the most prominent, if, if that's the word prominent, um, evolved, let's say, rather than prominent, of them all is one known as the Lord Babaji, um, who has been mentioned by others, including, for example, the great Paramahansa Yogananda uh, in his great autobiography of a yogi. Um, the Lord Babaji is the spiritual head of this whole planet. It, it's just that human beings don't realize it. So it'll be a very evolved world when we all do recognize that. Just that one fact alone will change the karma of the world immediately and immeasurably. And he is a very advanced interplanetary being who's been here and appeared to certain people under different names through the millennia and will continue into the future. Uh, others are here. Other There are certain interplanetary beings here, not as many perhaps as some might think uh, who, who believe in such things, but there are some, thank goodness, and they are helping us in numerous ways. One way they're helping us is to combat some of the evil that's going on in the lowest realms of this earth and indeed i mean this realm can be pretty low at times frankly uh, but having said that they are limited and they're that what they're limited by is us i mean they're limited by our karma they can't interfere they can't sort of come out sort all our problems out heal everyone and put the world to rights because that would rob us of our our most precious gift, which is experience. Um, so they, they'll go as far as they can, but they can't go any further because of that. Having said that, if, as I said earlier, if we, the human race, changed, or in, if enough people, just ordinary people, uh, and I count myself as an ordinary person, if enough of us uh, took real spiritual action and really... Um, tried and worked hard to send out healing and light and, and peaceful energy through prayer, through meditation, through mantra, through a whole variety of ways, through visualization, they could do far more because we would manipulate, if you like, karma and change karma for the better and then they could do far more for us. So again, the buck stops with us really. All right, I'm talking to Dr. Richard Lawrence about the nine freedoms and I have more for you when we return right after this. All right, we are back now. Um, Dr. Lawrence, I want to know if he said anything about these beings communicating with anyone else besides him at that time. Um, he certainly said that he wasn't the only person either now or in the past who'd had contacts from beings from other planets, for sure. And there were some contactees that he was interested in. He did feel that many of the claims that were out there 
uh, at that time, and it was quite a fashionable thing, uh, I think particularly in America, but also other countries uh, in the sort of late 50s, early 60s, were not correct, which doesn't mean that all the people making them were sort of deliberately lying. It's quite easy, and I've discovered this, and I've done a lot of training of people in the psychic area, to get deluded or to start thinking you're, you're in touch with a great... Uh, you know, like Count St. Germain, for example, when actually you're not, or Jesus, when you're not, you're in touch with somebody, but it isn't, it's your guide, maybe. And it's quite easy to get these things wrong, and a lot of people did get it wrong. Um, the actual individuals, though, who communicated through Dr. King, only in public communicated through him. So by that I mean the Master Ethereus, Master Sector 6, those two, uh, some of those. Uh, only communicated through him uh, in order to avoid confusion. And I mean in public. That isn't, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, in fact, I'm absolutely sure that they did communicate with an intelligence like the Lord Babaji, but that wasn't revealed publicly. And certain others ascended or advanced intelligences, for absolutely. But in terms of a public voice, uh, Dr. King was primary terrestrial mental channel and he was used by them and exclusively by certain of these intelligences. That isn't to say that people haven't had wonderful visions of Jesus or St. Peter or another intelligence who's uh, overshadowed or perhaps somehow their presence has been with them and so on. Uh, and he, he wasn't, you know, trying to be the one and only one, but he just was in a unique position. Was anyone taking him seriously? I mean, this happened back in the 50s, so I'm just... Mm, that's a good question. Um, actually, he he always had a sort of a following, if you like, but it's a small one. And even today, it's a, it's a relatively small following that he has now. Um, there were uh, people, of course, especially then, who completely disbelieved him. There's a, there's a YouTube clip, actually, which people can find of him being interviewed on... Uh, BBC television in England in 1959 and during that he actually receives a transmission on television from the Master Etherius and there's some, I think a psychiatrist and one or two other people in the studio interviewing him and, you know, clearly not believing for one minute that it could possibly be true. Um, but you know, what, what, he, what he has done, though, Dr. King, I would say, even in the eyes of a skeptic, is stood the test of time. Because there were a lot of contactees or claimed contactees around, and I'm not saying they were all false, by the way, but some of them definitely were false, in that period. But even the ones that probably were, I'll, I'll name one that was true, George Adamski, I do believe his first contact was absolutely true. Don't know about some of the later ones, but certainly that one. I've mentioned Dan Fry, who also knew Dr. King. Um, as another man called Frank Stranges that we knew very, very well in America. Some of these people, but they, they didn't sort of develop a mission like Dr. King did. He, and, and so he stands alone, even to a disbeliever, I think, would admit that he stood his ground. He, he continued for 43 years, uh, every day, uh, focused on his task. He performed mission after mission after mission. And the transmissions, I do think, stand, as I say, the test of time and the test of scrutiny and they, they are, as he put it once, you know, they, either they came from his brain or they came from 
the source he claimed they came from, which is a cosmic source. If they came from a cosmic source, they're absolutely fantastic. If they came from his brain, then he must be fantastic. I mean, he's not saying he's fantastic, but in one way or another, you've only got to look at something like the Nine Freedoms and form your own conclusions. Okay, so my next question is, how can a message so important be kept so quiet? Well, it's very difficult on this planet um, to, to, to publicize. I mean, I've done a lot of publicity myself over here in Britain over the years. Um, used to appear on, I suppose, something like at least 50 to a, certainly over 50 mainstream television and radio shows per annum. Uh, so we've reached millions of people, but it's not that easy if you don't have money. And he did, we've never, in the Ethereum side, we've never had much in the way of money. And, um, you know, on the internet, people will only look at what they look at. So uh, it's hard to answer that question. I mean, it's, it, but it's not unique again. I mean, some of the great uh, artists, some of the great discoveries um, were, I mean, you take, say, William Blake. I believe he sold two paintings in his lifetime. And look at him now. I mean, you know, this this is a strange thing on this planet. So, but it, it it is there. It's preserved. And the wonderful thing with the Ethereum Society, of course, is because they're transmissions that were recorded at the time, they can't be modified, unlike, say, the Bible, which has been through many translations and political interference at different times. And so therefore, you know, you, it, it's, a, it's an approximate guess of, of what was actually said and done. You know, it's still good. I'm not taking away from it. But with the Ethereum Society, you've got something that will last unaltered into the future. And I, I do believe the time will come. I don't know when, when it will be recognized much more widely. Okay, very good. I totally agree with you about the Bible, though. I believe it's been interfered with over the years. So. Sure. It's yeah. on the record. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some of these uh, nine freedoms. The first one was rather a shock to me because I personally yeah. wouldn't expect it to be Nor me. an important part of those teachings. So tell us about the first one. Yeah, the first freedom is bravery. And as you rightly say, you know, if people were thinking of a, a list of of, of the great spiritual steps through life, they'd probably come up with compassion or forgiveness or patience or another. They wouldn't necessarily think of bravery. But actually, in order to um, even gain spiritual ability and use it for the benefit of others, and in order to actually accept the great truths you have to be able to overcome your fears. And, and just to take you know, one point you mentioned earlier, did anyone take him seriously? One can have a fear of ridicule. One can have a fear of uh, accepting something which others don't accept and of, of being you know, in a minority. And there's all sorts of these things that can come along. So bravery is very, very important to really get started on the path. And then also people are frightened of their own psychic abilities, their own inner spiritual abilities. There, there are strange fears which make people think, oh, I can't do that. Oh, gosh, I'm, you know, am I going mad? I mean, what? And all that. Again, you need bravery. Um, and you, you need bravery to raise your consciousness to a high level. So this is the reason that it was chosen. And, and it's a very positive freedom because it tells you exactly how you can do this, how you can break away from fear. I mean, one of the great problems on this planet is conditioning. 
There's tremendous conditioning. Some of it we know is going on. A lot of it we don't. It's very subtle. And the whole emphasis on it is to try and get people to be the, a certain type of person, a sort of person who lives an ordinary life, doesn't do anything too adventurous, is perfectly content with, uh, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this at all, but just an ordinary family life at home, earns a living, doesn't really rock the boat, uh, is probably a good enough neighbor and brings up a family and, and then passes on, pays their bills and their taxes, and that's that's what we're meant to be. And actually, to do any real good in this world, you've got to do a lot more than that. I'm, I'm sorry if that's a bit <laughs> controversial to say, but I think it's true. Uh, you have to break away from that condition and, and you have to recognize your own inner latent abilities. And you can do that, that simply by contacting them. I mean, I wrote a book actually with Dr. King, uh, which I finished posthumously, but I had his permission to write it and his agreement on the full content of it. And it contains over 40 spiritual practices in it, uh, some of which were given by the Master Etheria, some of which he taught, some of which were old yoga practices that he'd refined and he passed on. And they really, really work. The book is called Realize Your Inner Potential. And we brought out the third edition last year and we renamed it Through the Path of King Yoga. We've introduced that in his honor. He didn't introduce it. It'd be much too modest to do that. But we've now done that. But that book alone has exercises in it, and I use them every day, which can absolutely change your whole life, not through theory or not through discussion, but through experience. You actually experience these exercises and you see that they work. They're actually perfectly safe. They're all very safe because Dr. King was very careful to make sure of that. There are some yoga practices in the world that really aren't safe, that shouldn't be taught at all, uh, at least not under... Uh, not unless you have strict supervision. But these are absolutely safe, but they can still, some people can still be apprehensive or can I really do this? Or If they do though, that alone will give them confidence or give us confidence, help us to break away from these kind of inner fears of our own potential. Another thing we can do is study fear for what it is. Uh, in other words, analyze it. Uh, it. It only really works, fear, if it seeps into our emotions if we can start to analyze it then we'll just see it for what it is and it can really start to fall away another thing we can do is to overcome or break away from our environment you know environment conditions some people think well i'm and you're brought up in a certain way you know what your parents expect of you you know what your community expects of you you know what you're meant to be and what you're not meant to be again with bravery you can be what your higher self wants you to be, if you like what God wants you to be, or Brahma wants you to be, whatever word you use, you can find your true mission and your true destiny in life, which isn't just for family and friends and community, it's for the world as a whole, especially in these days. And I think the final point it makes is to change our karma. We can actually change our karma. Most people, so many people are prisons and this is one of my favorite topics, actually, K-Town. They're prisoners of their karma because they, a lot of them actually probably don't believe in karma. But even those who do, they might study astrology or numerology or a science. They look and see what their destiny is, maybe. And they think they have to 
let it sort of control them rather than them saying, right, I'm going to change that. I see these points. I see my plus points, my negative points. But there are ways, and the main way is service, actually, where we can change our karma. And that, too, helps us to break away from fear. I agree with you, Dr. Lawrence. Karma is absolutely real. And I think it's worth noting that the ionosphere around our planet was put there according to the law of karma to keep us from advancing too quickly and destroying ourselves again, right? Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, that's a very good point, if I may, if you don't mind me saying. Because, you know, we can't, we can't take the bombardment of cosmic energy, which should be beneficial to us, but because of our mindsets and our approach, it wouldn't be, and we've been protected from it. But that is going to change. Both the cosmic bombardment, uh, the ionosphere will start to come down, but also, and this is absolute key and the key actually without this i don't think anyone can really understand what the new age is or why there is such a thing as the new age at all uh, the earth the mother earth the planet upon which we exist is releasing more power as uh, has been initiated herself into more power and um she is releasing more energy so the vibrations are changing on this world and if we spiritualize it actually we have fantastic opportunities i mean tomorrow night my time but uh you know it'll be a different time in different places but i don't quite know when actually people will hear this but certainly every year there is a thing called a spiritual push which is a magnetization period and this too is is controlled by mars sector six the same intelligence who gave the nine freedoms now people if they want to they can tune in to the energy that's coming down and that this will enhance their spiritual actions three thousand times and you can feel it actually you you can tune in and you can feel it uh, in certain uh, i mentioned tomorrow night there's a special service where we will actually feel it and there are many others throughout the year uh, with this energy it's a real thing it's a force so people all of us have the opportunity now to advance spiritually much more much more quickly than ever before because of this increased cosmic ray bombardment increased release of energy by the planet the mother earth and the existence of this satellite satellite number three which comes into orbit during these spiritual pushes or magnetization periods do you announce that on your website somewhere yes we do uh, ethereus.org gives all those dates uh, of the spiritual pushes for, and and the ones for 2018 uh, are up there and people can tune in and join in with them. And actually on our, I mentioned our website, 12blessings.org, we'll be doing certain extra services to mark the first week of each of those spiritual pushes. So somewhere in the world, and the times will all be made available, uh, there might be one run from New Zealand, there might be one run from Michigan, there might be one run from London, one from LA, wherever it is, but we'll know the time in your country uh, and people can join in. And people, it's wonderful to see they join in from... Malaysia, from Jamaica, from Australia, from all over the world, Finland, uh, you name it. Uh, people are joining in with that service, all united together uh, through 12blessings.org. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I will make sure I link it on the Mysterious Radio website. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, all right. Let's talk about the second one. Uh, Dr. Yes. 
Well, the second freedom, Dr. King used to say, the word, which is love, uh, won't be a surprise to anyone, I'm sure, but it's a very misunderstood word uh, and, and used to mean a whole variety of things. I mean, sometimes people think love is something that just happens in personal relationships between, you know, partners and so on. It's far, far more than that. It's a universal energy that we can all tap into and radiate. And it is absolutely the key. I mean, there's a wonderful passage in, in this freedom where um, – Mars sector six says that manifestation of the second freedom, love, will bring to earth freedom from want, freedom from war, freedom from disease, freedom from one's lower self, freedom from hate, freedom from basic emotionalism. The manifestation of this one basic freedom gives us its prize all basic freedoms with little exception. And love is more than a state of mind. As I mentioned earlier, it's an energy. So it's not limited to your particular frame of mind. It's something we can channel, we can visualize actually, but it's something which, you know, it obviously has to do with the heart. It has to do with compassion and, and care for others. Uh, one can love, I mean, as far as the cosmic masters are concerned, we are all related. We are just as related to somebody, say, I'm, I'm in London at the moment, but somebody, say, in Peking right now, uh, I think that's the wrong name, actually. Sorry, Beijing, I should have said. I'm, I tell you how old I am. Uh, Beijing or, or somebody in you know, Moscow as we are to our own relatives. As far as they're concerned, we're all one race. And this love energy can be sent. So, if, for example, in the Ethereum Society, when there's a, a, a hurricane or when there's a catastrophe, a, a, volc a volcanic disaster or a, an earthquake or something like that, we will send out love energy to those areas. And what that will do is inspire, is heal, is help the wonderful workers in that region, but motivate them. Uh, it will might hopefully motivate the peacemakers, people, negotiators. If they were imbued with love, throughout the Middle East, then all these sort of dogmatic barriers would crumble in the force of this great energy. It's, a, it's an all-transmuting living force, which we can contact. It's not a theoretical thing, as Mars Sector 6 says. It's not an academic thing. It's something we can use, and it's the essential motivating force of a spiritual person. Fantastic. All right. Um, now, uh, let's get into... The third one, which is service, and I loved reading about yeah. that one. Yeah, that, you know, if you were to pick out one, I think that's the one you'd pick out because it's the order of the day, sir. It is the greatest thing. I mean, the, the, the common theme throughout actually all the transmissions, really, in one way or another, that Dr. King took is that service is the order of the day. And you do get the feeling that Mars Sector 6 although he doesn't put it this way, he's far too um, evolved and uh, divine to put it in the way I'd put it. But, you, you know, you do get the feeling he hasn't got much time for people who go off into the retreats and, and concentrate on their own well-being and their own state of peace and so on. He, he thinks he's got much more time, infinitely more time, for people who get stuck in and serve and help others of all backgrounds, of all all kinds, of, and as he says in this freedom, there are many, many ways to serve. And, and I've, I mean, I've done TV interviews over here, 
uh, Kate, and I've often been asked a certain question, which is, should people who want to serve, should they engage in material ways through, you know, relief efforts and medical aid and things of that nature, or should they engage in spiritual ways? And the true answer, of course, is no, no one can tell anyone else what they should do, but you can give advice. Uh, and I was asked to give advice. So certainly the medical aid, the relief efforts, all of that is absolutely crucial. Charitable help, etc., is absolutely crucial. But in the state of the world at this moment, there are more people willing to do that than are willing to give really effective service in spiritual ways. I mean, there are people who do a bit of this and that spiritually, but I mean really effective world service. There aren't many people doing it or willing to really roll up their sleeves and, and go for it. And you have to have a certain motivation, the motivation being true love, actually, to do that. So I would say if you're spiritually inclined, then I would go in that direction. But obviously, all service is welcome. All service is needed. I, I agree. That's a beautiful message there. Before we mm. go, let's talk about the fourth one, which is enlightenment. enlightenment. I, uh -huh. I, I love this one. I personally, I mean, I must have read this hundreds of times, and I do mean hundreds of times. And I know some of it off by heart. I've read it so much and tried to practice it. And this one is enlightenment. And, and one of the wonderful things about the Nine Freedoms, it's very self-affirming, it's extremely encouraging and liberating because it's telling you what you can do. And this one is telling you that you will gain enlightenment um, and we'll all gain enlightenment. It's just a question of applying ourselves and setting out to do it. And it tells us what enlightenment is, which is not some kind of intellectual study uh, it's uh, way above that. Uh, not, not, I'm not against study. Study is essential. But it, enlightenment is a state of being. It's not even just a state of mind. It's a state of whole being uh, from which wisdom flows. It's brought about, and the, and the Nine Freedoms have sections in it which are quite technical in terms of the psychic centers or the chakras in our aura and the kundalini within our being. And this is brought about by the raising of energies through these psychic centers into higher uh, chakras uh, and opening these up and bringing, I mean, along the way will come psychic powers. But psychic powers, the first book I ever wrote actually was called Unlock Your Psychic Powers. Uh, that's, but that's just a stepping stone. And it's something that's only really good if it's used in service as well. It's not, not shouldn't be a goal for its own sake. But it's one of the things you can always use as a yardstick. If somebody claims to be enlightened, and there are one or two in the world who are spoken of as enlightened, who, in my view, cannot be enlightened uh, because they haven't, and they'll admit this, experienced certain powers along the way. Now, those powers... They're not the goal, so please don't misunderstand me, but they will come if you're really truly enlightened just by the force of Kundalini and the rising of the opening of the chakras. They must come. I'm talking about certain types of clairvoyant or psychic ability, certainly great healing ability, uh, certain levels of awareness, certain maybe uh, astral abilities, and so on and so on. They're, in one way or another, they'll come. But the enlightened person won't stop there. 
or as they're referred to in, in, in various parts of the fourth freedom psychic man, will control those uh, using possibly breathing exercises, certainly visualization, uh, certainly positive thought, and will transmute them, and this is a phrase I love and know very well, upon the plane of inspiration called high intuition, because intuition is a step beyond even psychic ability. And that may sound odd, and I do know what I'm talking about in this context, uh, having taught hundreds of people psychic things. Uh, you do need, and without this, you're, you're going to come unstuck. You do need to develop your intuition. You know, if you think about it, even if you had great visions and, and great awareness was given to you in some psychic manner, it would only be of use to you if you knew intuitively what it meant and why you were given it. And this is when you're really starting to become enlightened. I would even say, myself, that what we call genius uh, is a wonderful thing, and you, we've seen it in the great inspired artists and works and musicians and writers and so on. And I myself have channeled a number of the great writers uh, from the other realms. We're now on the other realms of this earth. Um, and, and, and wonderful they are too. But even genius will have to be transmuted at some point on the plane of inspiration called high intuition. Now, that's, that's quite an advanced teaching. I just throw that out uh, for people to contemplate on. And then uh, through what true meditation, and again, meditation is a word that's very, very variously used and can mean almost nothing or everything, depending how it's used, uh, then enlightenment will dawn. Finally, what would you want people to know about these messages given to Dr. King? I would invite people to investigate the messages that have been given by Dr. King. I would certainly recommend the Nine Freedoms. Um, we have our own little uh, radio station ourselves called Ethereus Live, actually, uh, which people can find out about through either through my website or, or the, uh, the uh, Ethereus Society website, where we purely study these teachings and these texts. And there's, lo there's lots of other things they can gain through our website and, and through our publications. And they can actually hear. The Nine Freedoms is available in audio form, by the way, as well, as is the Twelve Blessings. So they can hear the actual voice of, of, as, as Dr. King was delivering it and is very recognizable. Uh, the different communicators have their own distinctive sound and um, it's one of the things that Dr. King was, I mean, he, he took mediumship to a level which I don't think I, I've ever heard anybody, and I include in that people like Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and others, has ever taken it. I, I've never heard anyone describe it or use it in the way he did. He, he did it through complete control of the higher chakras, and as a result of that, it's it's very accurate and extremely dependable because mediumship can be pretty accurate, but not 100% with most people. With him, it's as accurate as it can get, really. Um, and so I, I just invite people to investigate it, uh, study it, form your own conclusions, and above all, above all, and they'll find this in these transmissions, act on it. Excellent. I've really enjoyed discussing all of this with you, Dr. Lawrence. You're welcome to come back anytime. Is there anything that you would like to tell my listeners about your books or if you have anything new coming out? 
Well, um, I just think I mentioned we're working on the biography at the moment, but I do invite people to look at the book Realize Your Inner Potential, which has just come out in its uh, last year in its new edition, uh, third edition. And because that's a book which has lots of practical exercises in it, actually has the whole of the third freedom in it as well, service. And I think it will give them something they, they will experience. Uh, this is what we really call King Yoga, which we're now really developing in honor of Dr. King, who I do believe was one of the greatest avatars ever to grace our planet. Thank you, Dr. Lawrence, for your time Thank you. coming on Mysterious Radio. My pleasure. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's edition. I want to thank Dr. Richard Lawrence for joining me again. Don't forget you can get premium access to more editions and get rewarded by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash mysterious radio. I want to thank my producer tonight, Kim, and the mysterious radio team, Jessica, Daniel, and Michelle. I am your host, K-Town, and I will see you next time on Mysterious Radio. Like the show? Get more Mysterious Radio on our website. And don't forget to visit our Twitter and Facebook page.